Michelle Kennedy and welcome to Learning Curve, the V-Hub series brought to you by Vodafone Business. In this episode, I'm speaking to Yvonne Bajella about finances and planning. Yvonne is a partner at Local Globe and Latitude. She's also a founding member of Impact X Capital LLP and an investor in companies such as Wise, previously TransferWise, Flutterwave and Marshmallow. Yvonne currently sits on the board of Innovate Finance and is also a member of the London hub of Global Shapers of the World Economic Forum, a community of young people driving change. In 2020, she was listed on the Forbes 30 Under 30 Europe Finance list, along with a position on Forbes 25 Leading Black British People. Yvonne, thank you so much for coming on. I'm so excited to talk thank to you. Thank you for having me. So excited to have this conversation today. I think that um, every single person watching is going to have the same, oh my gosh, how do we raise money? <laughs> what does it look like? How do yeah. we get investments? So, so many questions. But the first thing I wanted to ask you is, how did this start for you? How did you become involved in investing and how did you know that was your kind of lane? Yeah, so it started very early. Um, so when I was younger, my father actually used to read The Economist and the Financial Times to me when I was very, like, literally when I was eight years old. Wow. Thanks, <laughs> so from Dad. a very early age, I knew that I wanted to go into the world of finance, didn't know exactly what, um, but went on to study economics at university. Actually started out in investment banking and um, then decided to make the shift into strategy consulting. And it was actually on a very random plane ride where I sat next to an investor he told me about what he did and I was like wow this is incredible this is definitely the path that I want to pursue so I came back to London um, and yeah pursued my journey into the world of VC and since 2015 that's uh, been that's been me really. And for anyone who doesn't know who's kind of at the very foundation of starting their SME or the they kind of haven't even heard of venture capital, what is it? Yeah, so essentially it's where an investor like myself will provide you with cash and we take a percentage stake in the business, so a share of equity. And what is it that you're looking for when you make that decision? It's all about the people. So I'm looking for that X factor within individuals. I'm looking for like obsession to solve a problem. I'm, I'm looking for, you know, people that are like really obsessive about trying to change the way in which things are done and literally just change the world through the, with the, what they're doing. And you're kind of changing the world too by making those investments. I really wanted to hear about Impact X. Yeah, sure. So Impact X started out back in 2019, um, really started out just to just reduce the gap in funding for underrepresented entrepreneurs um, is quite depressing. But the stats for funding that goes to women, to black founders is very low. Um, and we essentially decided to start the fund in order to, to reduce that gap. Um, and so I was there from the very beginning, the f building the foundations of the fund. We made some great investments um, and, you know, stepped away full time last year, but still very much part of the, the team as a venture partner. And what is it like helping those businesses kind of come through from fruition? And is it early stage that you're really getting in there? Yeah, super early. I mean, sometimes it's like this is like first institutional money that's coming in. And um, it's just incredible just watching something go from very much like an idea phase, seeing it come to life and then growing into a business that can literally like shift an entire industry. What kind of 
businesses are the ones that you're really you're obsessed with they're they're the game changers for you is it industry specific or I think for me it's always about the teams but I would say that I have an affinity for the industries that seem really unsexy so just to give you an example I've just invested in a company that operates within the construction space and if you think about construction it's a really old industry something that's so important and fundamental to the economy right but it hasn't really digitalized Um, and so that was an investment that I was really excited about just the opportunity to really unlock more value across the construction industry through uh, digitalization. So now everyone's thinking about okay maybe my business is unsexy um, or unglamorous um, or maybe it isn't but they're now thinking about how do they get in front of you and what are you looking at when you're looking at their business what are the steps you go through to vet the business? So typically um, the first thing I see is a pitch deck um, so that's essentially the story of what you're trying to build. Um, And for me, I'm always interested in understanding, you know, what is it that they're trying to solve? What's the actual fundamental problem here in the industry that exists today? And what's the solution that they're trying to provide? Um, And then beyond that, again, just comes back to the team, right? What about this team is going to give them this unique advantage to really break through and create something really game-changing? Does it ever happen that you see a business where you think that the concept is brilliant and you don't make the commitment because the team aren't the right one? Absolutely, yes. Because I'm sure you know, like running a business is so hard. There's so many bumps and hurdles along the way. And at the end of the day, it really comes down to the people, especially if it's like a technology business. It's fundamentally about the people, right? And so... You can think it's a great idea. And to be honest, we never really know if it's a good idea. It's the market that determines that. So on paper, something may look great, but then you go, you release it, and actually no one wants to buy it or it just doesn't work. And so um, fundamentally, in those situations, it's the team that's going to have to navigate and really think, okay, this is not working. Let's pivot. Let's change direction and, and make something that does work. And that comes down to just great teams. And what are the dynamics of the team that you're looking for? There will be people listening to this who have a team of three and there'll be people who are listening to this who have a team of 50. What are the dynamics that really make it exciting for you? Yeah, I think particularly at the early stages, you you want to understand like what your strengths are and then identify those to work alongside that maybe fill in those weaknesses, right? Um, I think one thing that's really, really key is just to have like a laser focus on trying to solve the problem that you're trying to solve. Because like I said, like things can be so challenging and without that focus, without that thing that's really going to fire you up in the morning, even when times get really tough, then it's just like, what what is going to keep you going? So it's about having that real tenacity. It's about having that real passion, almost like an obsession to solve the problem. I suppose that obsession is really important. I definitely describe it as an obsession because you have to, if you're going to get up every morning and do this thing that you love, but you're going to make sacrifice, huge sacrifice to do it, you have to be obsessed. Um, When you're thinking about... um, the questions, do you have like a checklist of questions that you you are going through when you're like, okay, I like the team, I like the space, like what are the other things that you're thinking about? Yeah, so I think the, the pitch deck is typically a really good guide because there's like standard template that most companies tend to follow. So what is the problem? What is the solution? How, how are you actually going to solve it? What is it that your product or service is going to provide? Um, going into like the go-to-market if you haven't launched yet, um, going into like the traction of, of what you've actually achieved if you you have launched um, and really just highlighting what you want to achieve with the money as well. Because ultimately, if you're out there to raise money, I want to understand what you're using the money for. I just 
don't want it to be like a finger in the air. Like, you know, I want real clarity on like, we're giving you this money, whether it's for 12 months, 18 months, 36 months, what are you going to achieve after that period? If you're going to have to raise again, what does this company need to look like before you actually go out to market and raise again? So just having that real clarity around that. Because if you look at the headlines, a lot of companies raise, you look at TechCrunch, you look at all these, like, I've raised two million without yeah. a pitch deck. And yeah. it can seem as if like raising money is for everyone, but it's actually not. And so you really need to analyze, assess whether it's for you. And if you are going to raise, have real clarity on what you're going to do with that as well. So I love that because I speak to so many like founders and I'm like, why do you want institutional money? Why is that the right route? Yeah. Can you tell me some of the things that we should be thinking about as founders as to whether it's the right route for us? Yeah, I mean, first of all, like it's really important to understand the venture capital model, right? Because that in itself is very unique. And you see so many headlines where you think that is the mainstream and many companies do go out to raise and that's like the one path to take. But actually, in reality, some businesses just don't need venture capital. And I don't know the actual stat, but I'm, I'm, it's less than 5% of companies actually do raise venture capital. So many businesses don't. There's other forms of funding. So there's like bank debt, there's like, you know, invoice financing. There's just so many types and just really having that clarity and understanding of what actually makes sense for your business is so important. But because if you go out there raising when it doesn't actually make sense for your business, you're just wasting your time and you're wasting investors' time as well. And what about that dynamic with your investor? Because I think that that is something that we all have to learn as well. You you kind of approach it thinking, oh, please give me money. <laughs> but it's actually, it's not the full story of no. the dynamic. It's a two-way conversation, right? It's a two-way thing. Like, if an entrepreneur is going into a conversation with an investor, you should be assessing them, assessing whether they're the right fit for you. I think that oftentimes entrepreneurs go into conversations, think I really need to convince the investor. But you the, you need to actually get the investor to convince you that they're the right ones for you as well. Right. So it's a two-way street. And that's something that is really important to recognize. Yeah, I think that dynamic is something that even myself, I had to catch myself at the start and think, hang on a minute, they, it, <laughs> they don't give me it for free. They get equity in my business. Exactly. It's, you know, we're creating future value here and it's not, yeah. and it's, know, a privilege. it's not one way. It's a privilege. Like right. I always say like the companies I have invested in, I'm very privileged to have been able to invest in them because they could have gone with another investor. So right. um, it's it's absolutely really important. And also thinking about what the investors are bringing to the table more than just the cash. So a lot of pitching um, uh, and what we do in our conversations with uh, investors is around storytelling. How important is storytelling to what we do as founders and creating our business? It's fundamental. I, I always say as an entrepreneur, you're constantly selling a story, whether it be to employees that you're trying to, you know, bring on board to the business, whether it be to investors that you're trying to raise funding from, whether it be to potential customers, you're constantly selling that story. And so having the ability to articulate that vision is absolutely key in all facets of the business. And when we think about articulating that, we're articulating it in a pitch deck. And I know we just spoke about kind of the, the format of mm -hmm. the pitch deck. What do you love to see in a pitch deck and what do you hate? How do we write the perfect pitch? Yeah, I think it's all about being authentic and just like, I think the best pitches that I always see are those where they're telling the story about them, like why this is important to them. So whether it's, you know, you're starting a business because you've had a personal encounter, you faced the challenge yourself and now you want to solve it. And because of you, the fact that you've encountered the problem, you have a real deep insight into how you're going to solve it. Um, 
where I hear those personal stories, for me, it just makes it come to life. And then aside from that, again, coming back to the importance of the team, why is the team the right one to solve it? You know, what is going to give the team the edge in order to do that? And that may be that, you know, you've worked in the industry for a particular number of years. You've got like a unique network as a result of working in the industry or you've, you've got that lived experience of having experienced the, the problem that you're trying to solve for. Um, so it comes back to just making it really authentic and, and why it's important to you as an individual. How important is taking money, money is green, versus the right investor for you? So important. <laughs> the most. <laughs> Get it, Michelle? Yeah, no, I think it's, it's, it's absolutely key because, you know, ideally you want smart capital. You want money that's going to come with, you know, additional benefits besides just it being the cash, you know. Um, and that could come in various forms. There's so many different types of, you know, investors out there today. You've got those that, you know, will specialize in like having a deep network within a particular industry. You have those that like have real operational insights. So they've they've operated in the industry and maybe they could like help you with even like stuff like the financial models and that sort of thing. Um, there's just so many ways in which you could seek value from your investors and so I think it's just really important to just take a step back and really just say beyond the money what is this investor bringing to the table it comes back to you know what I was saying around having that two-way benefit right it's yeah. it's it's a mutual beneficial relationship you're entering yeah. like they say that average investor relationship lasts longer than an average marriage <laughs> so <laughs> you want to know that we're like we're together exactly, and we're in it together exactly, through good and bad right? exactly and I think it's in those tough times where that investor relationship becomes so important. I've I've seen where it's gone really wrong. Um, and so you just want to make sure that you're bringing on board the right people that are going to support you along the way. Flipping it for a second to common mistakes. What are the things that you see that we all do? I'm sure there are loads of them. For me, I'm really bad with self-deprecating humour. It just doesn't go across. <laughs> it's not ideal. Don't do it in a pitch. I'm the worst for it. Are there things like that that you're just, there are mistakes that you just don't want to see? Yeah, I think, um, again, like just being authentic. Like I love when people just show up, they come and they tell me like, why? What is your why? Why are you doing this? Being very clear on that. I feel like when it's not clear, that comes across right. very easily. Um, and that is very important. comes back to that whole obsession that, you know, if you're going into this, particularly if you're looking to raise venture capital funding, this is like a five to 10 year journey. And if you're not really in it, if you don't really believe in it, that's going to come across. Yeah. And so it's just making sure that you understand why you're doing it. You're in it for the long haul. And, you know, you've got the vision where you want to take it and just articulating that, just being your true authentic self, really. And what about from a financial planning perspective? Are there key mistakes that you've seen in either your founders or other founders where you're like, that could have been avoided? Yeah, I think um, obviously at the very early stages uh, where, you know, I invest, um, it can be quite difficult because a lot of the numbers and the figures that you see in financial models are just assumptions. Yeah. And so um, it really does require entrepreneurs to go away, maybe do a bit of sense check-in, check-in with, you know, what are what's the average salary of an engineer, for example, what makes sense instead of just like plucking 
figures yeah. out from the air. Yeah. Um, and so I think that it's just having like a sensible judgment because really what we're looking for is just to understand how you're thinking through. It's not, we're not expecting to see like a perfect model. We're not going to hold you to it. If you don't make, you know, five million, like you're saying you're going to make in the next like two years, that's okay. But it's really around the cost, how you're thinking through them and just feel as if you're just making a sensible judgment around them. And what do you think if, if I'm starting out I have often been asked it, how much money do I need? How much money do you need? It comes back to what do you actually intend to build? Like if you if you want to raise for like a 24 month period, then what do you what are you looking to achieve in that 24 month period? Who do you need to hire in order to get there? Um so anything from, you know, do you need uh if it's a technology company, do you need an engineer? How many engineers do you need? Um really just understanding like literally break down cost line by line, how much do you actually need for every single area of your business, whether it be marketing and really just understanding that, that should very much be the starting point. And when you're thinking about how to be smarter with money, how should we be being smarter, particularly in like the economy and the climate that we're in today? Yeah, I think it's just about not over overinflating. So I think um, what we've seen in like previous environments is taking on board too many hires, for example, when you don't need them. Yeah. Like you obviously don't want to constrain yourself, but at the same time, you want to make sure that you're you're being sensible. And the way in which you could do that is just having conversations with other entrepreneurs. Like entrepreneurs are like super open. They want to be helpful where they can. And so it's just a matter of, you know, sense checking. I'm thinking about starting this company, you know, and thinking about doing X, Y, and Z. How much do you think I need to budget for this this person, how much do you think I need to budget for marketing and X, Y, Z? It's just as simple as that, really. And and being really clear about, as you said, not just what you're going to build, but what you're going to deliver during that time. I think that it, I didn't fully appreciate when I started Peanut that in that first year, what am I going to deliver? A product yeah. would be good. Um, but, <laughs> but, you know, what am I going to build? And, and being really clear with everyone. So we're all on the same page. Well, yeah. This is what we're doing. Um, and that's quite difficult if... Uh, you you haven't kind of mapped out where where you're trying to get to. And this is why I almost feel as if you need to work backwards. You need right. to think, okay, we're raising money for, I don't know, 24, 36 months. This is where we want to be at the end of the 36 months when we go out to raise more money. And so what do we need to do in order to get there? And just work backwards, essentially. I think that's the best way to do it. So we're always told um, by they, I think they is you guys, <laughs> the investors, uh, in times of economic challenge that... Um, this is the time that the most exciting businesses are going to develop and, and evolve. What areas and spaces are you keeping an eye on? Are you particularly interested in at this time? Yeah, so I think one area that I'm really, really excited about is AI. For years, there's been conversations around AI is going to impact this industry and, you know, X, Y, Z. But with the emergence of OpenAI, ChatGPT3 and so on, we're really seeing, you know, companies like build models on top of these LLMs. You know, so many applications across various industries, whether it be within healthcare, within education, within like contact centers, for example. There's so many efficiencies that could potentially be driven by this, you know, emergence of this new technology. Um, and so I'm just really excited to see that come to life, really. Already seen some great examples and some great teams working on some really, really exciting things as well. So that's one area that I'm really excited about at the moment. I think someone described it to me earlier as don't be intimidated by it. This is just something that's going to help you accelerate how you do your job. Yeah. Like It's going to make you do it more efficiently and quicker. And I think when you think of it in that context, you're like, 
how did I live without it? Yeah, so it's exciting. I, I think every leader should be thinking about right. ways in which they could leverage AI for their business at the moment. So when you had that fateful plane journey to learn that VC was for you, have you learned or disproven um, any kind of assumptions that you had about the industry or what your role would be? Very interesting question. Um, I think coming in, I, I almost felt like VCs hold all the power, but actually the entrepreneurs hold all the power because you're the ones inside who's going to come and invest in your company. You're the ones that are building. And it's just having that real appreciation that we're just playing like such a small role in in the business by providing you with capital and obviously looking to hopefully provide more value. But ultimately, it comes down to the entrepreneurs. You're the ones building the business. You're the ones waking up every morning, like having to, you know, think about taking it to the next phase. Um, so really the entrepreneurs hold all the power. Best board meeting tips. Board meetings for me, can I just say, <laughs> have gone through a very wild like evolution. They started with me just being like a very good student and reporting into me going in and I ask for questions and I ask for help and I push. Yeah. Um, Best board meeting tips. How do I get the best out of my board? Yeah, so I think, first of all, really important to consider who you have around the table. Having a real mix of, you know, investors, independents is so key. Um, I think where I've seen it work well is where you have a combination of the two. Um, in terms of the actual meeting itself, I think that... Those I've found to be most effective are those that are not just reporting, but those where you're actually having real key strategic discussions on things that are actually going to move the business um, fundamentally. Uh, so in terms of the reporting, I think that could be shared more widely ahead of the meeting. And then if any questions need to be discussed, you know, but I think the core part of the conversation in board meetings should be more the strategic discussion. Is it important as a founder or as a CEO to always know where the end game is is it important to know that you're going to ipo or you're going to exit via acquisition is it okay not to know i think it helps to have some clarity around what you want um i think that it's okay to not have a full clarity around how you're going to do it but i mean having in mind okay i want to sell to another company or i want to ipo i think it just helps frame the way in which you do things so i think it's absolutely key yeah yeah and, and also like the contacts you need to make exactly and, how to use your exactly. Investors and, and making sure that you've got those yeah. routes. because i always say like businesses are bought they're not sold right and so Great, <laughs> great soundbite. And so if you're going to, you know, if, if the plan is to sell your business, like you need to build those relationships right. well in advance, not not go and build those relationships the year that you're looking to sell. Right. You need to start those strategic conversations like years out, and, and ideally. It's, totally. And it's yeah. one of those things as well where we all read the TechCrunch articles and we're like, oh gosh, and then it just happened. happened. overnight. It definitely didn't happen overnight. <laughs> it never happened overnight, right? That's. I think that's yeah. a really important thing for me also as I kind of go through yeah. this process. I'm always like, it didn't happen overnight, yeah. guys. None no, of absolutely. this. This was a process. Yeah. Definitely. It's all a process. So what do we need to do? Yeah, so great example of a company that I invested in uh, a few years ago and they knew that they wanted to position themselves potentially to be sold. And so it's about, like, businesses are bought by individuals within companies. So it's about going out, Building that relationship with the individual in the company. It's not just about trying to like find any contact within the business. Like, is it this department within the company that's going to potentially find 
the most strategic value here and aligning yourself with them. Um, and so perfect example, this company um, of mine that I invested in, they started having like regular communications with the business, started looking at ways in which they could almost find some sort of strategic partnership. And that evolved into quickly accelerated into acquisition discussions. Um, and so I think there's a number of strategic things that could be done. Um, sometimes it's just like exploring a partnership and then it will lead into acquisition discussions. Uh, but I think it's really important to just like if that is the ultimate goal then just being really mindful of you know the individuals that you need to actually speak to as opposed to just having contact with a wider business and giving them something to evangelize around yeah, their business absolutely. right yeah that was something that I was definitely taught like make sure that you give enough material exactly. and enough of your wins so that they know what to share and, and how to talk about you um Yvonne this has been so amazing Thank and you. um sorry if we all now bombard you with requests for you to be on our board and invest in our business but this has been amazing super helpful and um I have loved it Thank you so much. It's Thank been you. great. Thank you. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Learning Curve, the VHub series presented by me, Michelle Kennedy, and brought to you by Vodafone Business. If you are starting or building an SME business, do check out the free VHub service from Vodafone. VHub offers access to webinars and training on digital topics. You can also speak to a team of advisors for guidance specific to your business. Support can really help to fast track your plans. So do use the free resource and speak to an advisor today. For more information, search Vodafone VHub or click on the link provided.